round of 16 matchups are set. Hello, everyone, and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. The BCL regular season ended this week with an intense game day 14. Nizhny, Laman, Nanterre, and Neptunus grabbed the final playoff spots, while several teams were eliminated in heartbreaking overtime losses, and there was also some movement in terms of seeding. Here to analyze the games with me is David Hine, who's on the road in Lithuania. Dave, how crazy was that final week? Man, you know, it's been as crazy as the entire season, so uh, fantastic. It was um, what, a, what a way to end the, the regular season and to give us... Um, yeah, some some uh, some memories to 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 keep us uh, to keep us on hold for the uh, for the playoffs. Got to wait a couple of weeks for the playoffs, but uh, definitely give us an, some good stuff to to keep in our memory bank for for those games. Yeah, it was an incredible final week. Definitely fitting that some of these games to decide playoff spots went to overtime. We'll talk about those uh, here in a few minutes. We've got a great show for you today. Dave spoke to Dominic Waters, who was one of the heroes for Nanterre and their do-or-die win on the road at Halone. Waters was phenomenal in that game. We were thrilled to have him on the show. And then later, I'll talk to Deacon Lloyd Smith and Igor Jerkovic, two writers from ChampionsLeague.Basketball. We'll have instant reactions to the round of 16 draw as these teams are placed against each other for the playoffs, which, as Dave said, start in a few weeks, March 5th and 6th, and then March 12th and 13th. Just want to remind you guys, you can watch all of these games on livebasketball.tv. They will also be uploaded to the official BCL YouTube channel on Mondays. Download the official Champions League app and follow everything on championsleague.basketball, the official website. Dave, let's start it off with the team of the week. Punter for three. Oh, goodness me! Mbaye with the offensive rebound and put back jam. Leading off the team of the week, Dave's guy, Antoine Eto <laughs> from Le Mans. Super clutch performance. Finished with 15 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, and hit some big-time shots in that game as Le Mans advanced to the playoffs with a win over Anvil. Kyle Weaver from Neptunus. Only 12 points, 3 assists, but he had some uh, some big moments as well as Neptunus were able to grab the last playoff spot in Group D. Amatham Bai is the MVP this week from Virtus Bologna. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 2 steals as he led Bologna to a win over Prometheus and first place in Group D. Julian Gamble from Nanterre was also huge in that game against Halone. He had 15 points, 9 rebounds, couple block shots. Great performance from Gamble. And Vladimir Dragasevich from Nizhny Novgorod, 24 points, 6 rebounds as Nizhny blew out Ludwigsburg to qualify for the playoffs in Group A. Dave, uh, what, what are your initial thoughts on the team of the week? Yeah, I think, I, you know, um, as every week, you know, there's a couple of guys that, that um, you know, can probably have an argument. But I think that those are definitely some, you know, guys have also played big um uh, came up big in in big games, and uh, you know definitely worthy of their spots on the on the the team of the week. You know, Gamble was was fantastic. Um, you know, in in really, I think probably the game game of the week uh, with Nanterre and and Halone. So um, and you know, and, and Bay played you know great as well in the Bologna game. So yeah, congratulations to the guys on on, on taking that t- team of the week honors in the last game day of the regular season. 
Yeah, some clutch performances this week. Uh, I think most of the guys on the team of the week helped their teams qualify for the playoffs, so that was definitely a factor. But was there anybody who didn't make the team who you thought had a good argument? You know, I think I think Mike Green could have. Um, you know, he had. You know, he he's had a fantastic uh, end stretch for for Strasburg. He's been great at times, anyhow. But you know, he had 15 points, 12 assists, four rebounds, two steals. Um, you could even say. Yeah, I can. I mean, Strasburg, of course. You know, they won the game, but they ended up not uh, getting through. Um, and and you could even you know say Jamar Wilson, uh, lead Cabellus against Flynn Labrada, twenty one points, five rebound, uh, four eight rebounds, and five assists. Um, but again, like I said, those guys are definitely worthy. And um, yeah, congrats to to them getting the spots. Yeah, Mike Green was great in that game for Strasburg. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But for our group by group breakdowns, let's jump in with Group A. And they get it into Yegedi. Hands it off. It's a tough three. He knocks it down. What a shot to tie up the game. At the top of Group A, as it's been all season, Ukam Murcia in first place, 13-1, and and the best record in the BCL regular season. They beat Banvit this week, but it didn't really matter in terms of the positioning. Banvit were locked into second place, where they finished at 9-5. and After that is where it gets really interesting. Nizhny, Laman, and Avellino all finished 7-7, seven and seven, but Avellino lost a heartbreaker to Vince Beals in overtime on the road. Uh, to drop their fourth straight game and fall out of the playoffs after a seven and three start. So no playoffs for Avellino. Nizhny are in as the three seed. Lamont are in as the four seed. After that, bench bills, they'll go and play FIBA Europe Cup. Anvil and Ludwigsburg have been eliminated. Dave, uh, let's, let's start this one off with Avellino losing just an absolute heartbreaker on the road. Kiefer Sykes was so clutch in that fourth quarter, uh, just getting bucket after bucket. He finished with 29 points. Caleb Green had 39 points and 11 rebounds. He played every single second in this game, but it wasn't enough for Avellino. They ended up losing 106 to 102. Uh, Dave, what were your initial thoughts on Avellino falling out of the playoffs? You know, we've mentioned a couple times, and I think there's games that you could go and watch, even though you know the result of it. And, and this was just back and forth the entire game. I think it was seven points was the biggest lead for either team over 45 minutes. Just a fantastic, really just fantastic entertainment of, you know, Richard Lomas, I guess I probably mentioned Lomas could have been uh, in consideration for team of the week, 27 points, five, five rebounds and Aaron Johnson, 13 points, uh, 11 assists, those two guys, you know, and then a couple other guys here and there, but mainly those two guys going against Sykes and green, uh, was just fantastic. And, you know, drama, you had the refs put the, 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 the time back on the clock, uh, to, 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 uh, you late in the game, uh, drama with some, some huge, some huge baskets as well. Um, and I mean, Avellino, hey, you had the shot. I mean, Celine's, he had, a, he, had, he could have waited and taken even more time to take the, and it didn't, didn't fall. Um, you know, uh, you have to feel bad for Avellino, but, but you know, you, you also have to respect, uh, Venspiel's, you know, for going at it. You know, they, they needed that win, win because if they, because they actually lost, they would have, they would have lost a tiebreaker with Anvil. So they would not have gone to the FIBA Europe Cup. So, you know, to go in and get it and finish, uh, at, at home. And, uh, in order to get to the FIBA Europe Cup, you definitely also have to tip your hat to, to Venge Bills. 
Yeah, some some clutch performances from Vinchbills in this game. Drame, as you mentioned, a couple really key putbacks late in the game. Lomas uh, hit a, a big three late in the fourth quarter. Gulbis, Yakovic, these guys were hitting shots in overtime. So Vinchbills deserved to win this game. But yeah, you have to feel bad for Avellino. Not only that Ohar's uh, Cillian's shot that went halfway down and then rimmed out that would have given them a one-point lead with like five seconds left in overtime. But before that, the possession before that, Kiefer Sykes had a good look at a three-pointer that also went halfway down and rimmed out. So just bad luck for Avellino. And, you know, from the, it's, it's a disappointing situation because this team started the year with so much promise, with such a talented roster, but they ended up losing Norris Cole. He was MVP of two of the first three weeks of the season. So losing a a guy like that is big. Also, Matt Costello, who was a big factor for them early in the season. And uh, then Demetrius Nichols got injured a couple weeks ago. And this this is a team that just started out with a lot of potential, but injuries, financial issues really took a toll on them. As I said, they lost their final four games of the regular season. They could have qualified in game day 13 with a win. They couldn't get it done. They held their destiny in their hands this week. Couldn't get it done once again. So tough situation for Avellino. Feel bad for them. But, you know, Kiefer Sykes, that guy's got an amazing future as a big time player in Europe. I was really impressed with him in this game. You know, hats off to Vinchbills for the win. Avellino, you know, some of these guys will will be back making a big impact for sure in future seasons. Uh, moving on to the teams that did make it to the playoffs. Lamon with another uh, overtime win themselves. They beat Anvil 88-79. to Antoine Eto, like we mentioned, couple clutch shots. Valentin Bigote, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Michael Thompson, 14 points, 6 assists, and a dagger floater late in the game. Dave, we, we mentioned last week that we haven't spent a ton of time on Lamont. They kind of snuck up on us, but they closed the season really strong. And in the playoffs as a number four seed, what do you think about the French champions getting it done when it mattered most? Hey man, they 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 finished the season five and one, um, and uh, are are playing really solid basketball. And you know you you want to be playing your best basketball when it counts. And you know they they ended up you know catching the their their way into the into the playoffs uh, at the last moment. And, you know, it's a team I don't necessarily want to face. Um, you know, all of these games are going to be tough uh, over two legs. Um, and, they, they, you know, this is a team that that has a couple of guys who can score. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a team that we probably shouldn't have been sleeping on. But, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't play the greatest of basketball. You know, they really did catch themselves at the end. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have some love for, for Aito in, in overtime. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty, he's, he's, he's shown pretty much, uh, the whole season that, that he's, that he's a pretty clutch player. And, uh, you know, with, with, with Thompson and, and, you know, this is, this is a good team and, you know, Anvil, they kind of, you know, fell apart, uh, in the second half of the, of the regular season, uh, but they were they were in theory still going for the for the FIBA Europe Cup, um, you know. But you know, Le Mans is 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 there, and now they're. Uh, I'm, I don't want to necessarily call them a force to deal with, but you know, they're a team that is 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 uh, on a roll right now. 
Yeah, like Dominic Waters from Nanterre said in the interview that's coming up later in the podcast, it's really crucial to just get hot at the right times. That's what Lamont did in order to qualify for the playoffs. And they showed some great mental toughness in this game. Down by four points with under a minute left. Eto hit a huge three-pointer at the 24-second mark. And then the next possession, 17 seconds left, he hits this crazy leaning three. So two big threes in an eight-second span for Eto to really just save Lamont and, and just snatch victory from the jaws of defeat for them. And then Lamont in overtime were clearly the better team, the deeper roster. Uh, and they, they were able to put Anvil away. So... Yeah, I agree with you. Dangerous team. And the last team to qualify for the playoffs in this group, Nizhny Novgorod. We had Kendrick Perry on the show last week. He only had six points in this game, but he dished out eight assists. Dragasevic, as I mentioned, team of the week with 24 points. Uh, some big performances elsewhere for Nizhny as they blew out MHP Reason Ludwigsburg 85-59 to on the road. And perhaps... Most importantly for them, they moved up to the three seed uh, because they have the tiebreaker with Lamont. So that gives them a more favorable matchup in the round of 16. Um, Dave, this is a Nizhny team that we talked about earlier on in the season as a dangerous, scrappy team. And it's looking that way now as they head into the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I, I think one thing that this game will tell, you know, told us is, uh, you know, they, they, they did get another score. Um, Ian Hummer. Uh, who came over from Monaco. Uh, this was his fourth game, and he had 22 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and a block. Um, and in the previous three games, in his first three games, he had 12 points. Um, so, you know, this was a team that, you know, at times I was kind of wishing there was another score. And then bringing in Hummer and him having this success, um, I think that's pretty good for his for his confidence as well going ahead. And we said we said a lot, you know, that that this is a team that you don't necessarily want to play with a guy like Perry running the show. Um, and now to bring in a score like like Hummer, I think that's uh, that's going to give them another weapon. And now they're going to have you know like three three they probably have three three or four games um, uh, to to really kind of work him in. Plus the break uh, um, for the FIBA break to to actually give him uh, more time to even get. Used to the team, so uh, you know maybe watch Hummer and what he does now in the in the playoffs. That's going to be an extra factor that teams are going to have to to look at. Yeah, great point there. That was a, a big addition for Nizhny. Also, Ivan Strebkov, only five points in this game. He's another guy who, you know, is, is has been a big time scorer for them throughout the season. So to only get 11 points combined from Perry and Strebkov and still win by more than 20 points to clinch a playoff spot, I think Nizhny have to feel, feel pretty good about where they're at, even though, you know, they, they beat a last place Ludwigsburg team, but they should be feeling pretty confident going into the round of 16. And on the other side of this, Dave, any any final thoughts on Ludwigsburg, who, you know, were a Final Four team last season. We had Coach John Patrick on the first episode of the podcast this season. He mentioned, you know, they had a lot of turnover, brought in a lot of young guys, and ended up finishing in last place in this group, which I don't think anybody necessarily would have predicted. I don't con I don't condone betting, but I think if you had if you had come in and, and put some money down on Nizhny Novgorod and Lamont reaching the playoffs, Avelino and Venspiel's uh, qualifying in the qualification spots for the FIBA Europe Cup and Ludwigsburg out of the competition. I think you probably would have made a pretty penny. Just gets it out of the trap. Gamble inside, outside. 
to the corner, Paulson for three, got it! Nanterre have come up with answers every time they've been asked. Moving on to Group B, clinching first place, Tenerife finished the season at 12-2. and two. Behind them in second, Umana Raya, Venezia, 10-4. and four. And then Nanterre snatched the final playoff spot in this group with a do-or-die win on the road at Halone winning that game 74-62. to That, coupled with a Pauk loss, actually put Nanterre in third place in the group. Pauk will be the fourth seed. Halone finish in fifth. They miss out on the BCL playoffs, but they will play FIBA Europe Cup. Same goes for Bonn, who will be in that competition. Freeborg finished the season at 3-11. and Opava, 2-12. and Both of those teams are eliminated and can focus on the domestic league. But Dave, we had to talk about Nanterre versus Halone. Clearly, the game of the week in this group, a true do-or-die playoff game situation. The winner would advance. The loser would be eliminated. We talked to Dominic Waters coming up on the show. We mentioned Julian Gamble on the team of the week. Those two guys set the tone early. Waters was incredible. Four assists and a pull-up jumper in the first four minutes to really get them going. Two of those assists were to Gamble in the pick and roll. Two of those were kickouts to Kanate for three. He had a great game as well. And then they bring in Yuskevichis off the bench. He had a similar impact. Uh, I think Nanterre, just too many weapons for Halone in this game. Is that is that how you saw this, Dave? Uh, yeah, I think there was no third guy. You know, I highlighted that for my notes for... Um, for Halone, you know, Walden showed up. Klein, great game. Heck, he even tore his jersey like he was Superman. Uh, but nobody else, you know. And and you don't have a, you know, you need to have at least a, a third guy to to really win games. And uh, you know, Atkins was the next guy with eight points. And you know, you had uh, you know Waters fourteen, Julian fifteen, Canode uh, twelve. Uh, Paulson 12 and you know you, you know saying and that and that and then you can get away with Singlin scoring only six in 10 minutes and you know that was below his average he was at 14.6 game um, but yeah they just answered every time and, and I think actually probably in my eyes the biggest thing in this game was the 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 non-ability um, to produce uh uh, off offensive rebounds for Halone. They grabbed tw- 12 offensive rebounds and only produced seven points. They didn't produce in any of their offensive rebounds a- a- in the final 22 minutes. And uh, Nanterre had nine offensive rebounds and, and produced 12 points out of that. Um, and, you know, it-, it was all those offensive rebounds. Klein, I think, had four, something like that. You know, it- or no, six. Actually, it's six offensive rebounds. But they weren't producing any of those points out of those second chance, second chances, and and uh, and Nanterre were, and then Nanterre's hitting their threes as well, and you know you you have to do one way or the other, you know you have to you know either produce on your offensive rebounds or stop their threes or something, and 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 neither of those were working, and, and Nanterre, man, this is a dangerous team, and and I would not want to face Nanterre even worse than than uh, than uh, Lamont. Uh, this is this is a team that's that's really loaded. Can play big, you know, with Gamble and Treadwell. Um, can go outside, you know, drive to the basket with Sanglin and, and Waters and unselfish guys move the ball. Yeah, this is this is a, this is a super dangerous team. 
Yeah, I, I love this Nanterre team just in terms of the weapons they had, like you mentioned. Also, their mentality in this game. I thought, you know, they really seized this game from the opening tip alone. They looked maybe a little bit scared. Um, you know, maybe they let the pressure get to them, even though they were at home. You know, that's not always an advantage in, in a do or die situation where I think, you know, that that home environment, maybe being the favorite, you know, kind of got to them a little bit. In the first quarter, they committed five turnovers, only made one of eight three pointers. As Nanterre jumped out to a double-digit lead, and Halone never led in this game. Nanterre, they were completely unfazed by the crowd. They took a 12-point lead in the first quarter. They were up by double digits for most of the game. Every time Halone went on a run to cut the lead down to 9 or 10 points, Nanterre responded with a big shot, whether it was Waters, whether it was Paulson. Uh, Konate played really well, like I mentioned, scored a lot early in the game, had a really nice assist to gamble for an important dunk in the fourth quarter. So just a well-rounded team performance from Nanterre. They were mentally and physically tougher. Um, and, uh, you know, this cannot be overstated how much Halone missed Khalif Wyatt in this game. You know, you mentioned that they lacked a third guy. Wyatt was the leading scorer in the BCL before he started having injury problems. I went back and looked at their first game against Nanterre. He played 36 minutes, scored 28 points, and dished out seven assists with only one turnover. That is a ton of production to lose, and it's really hard to make up for that. So that was, I thought, you know, just kind of the deciding factor in this game for Halone, where Corey Walden was great. That guy's a warrior. It was really fun watching him play this season, but just not enough help around him to to get this done. And yeah, like you mentioned, Nanterre coming into the playoffs as a three seed. They look really dangerous. They've also been hot in the French League. They're in third place in that league after a, a shaky start to the season. So they're really coming on strong. And we'll talk to Dominic Waters about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Dave, do you have any any other notes from this game or just elsewhere in the group? Um, uh, hey man, Opava finally won their first game since game day one. So they finished the season on a high note and yeah, Baba uh, Torre, um, eight points, six rebounds. That's the first game, uh, without, uh, scoring a double digits. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, um, Colt Iverson, big game for, for non, for, uh, Tenerife, 28 assists. Um, yeah, to just continue to keep doing the same things, not uh, Tenerife. So. Yeah, and we'll actually hear a little bit more about Tenerife from our interview with Dominic Waters coming up later in the show. Most influential player. Now somebody else, can they step up without him? Jacobin Brown doing the same thing. And what a move by Jacobin Brown. Moving on to Group C, the defending champions, Ike Athens, held on to first place with a close win over Antwerp. They finished the season 12-2. and Hapoel Jerusalem in second place were also 12-2. and Bomberg, they finished third at 9-5, and and Antwerp fourth at 7-7. Seven and seven. Lead Cabellis, Dijon, Nimberg, Fuenlabrada are all eliminated. Dave, uh, we'll go through this group really quickly because the playoff seedings were already set except for the battle for first place between Ike and Jerusalem. Ike held on. Uh, do you have any, any kind of general thoughts on this group? Jerusalem played without Tamir Blatt, and they turned the ball over 18 times, um, and they, they ended up losing a 17-point lead and holding off Dijon. Uh, my man, Tashawn Thomas, 14 points on seven of nine shooting, seven rebounds and two blocks. Um, and Ike, 
Um, yeah, you know, if, if they had lost this game, then they would have lost the first seed. Um, but they, they nearly blew a 17 point lead. Um, so you have to, you know, you maybe wonder a little bit about that, but you know, ho-hum, Vince Hunter, 19 points, nine rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block, same thing with him. But, you know, um, you know, Jordan Theodore is really, um, I, I think probably as everybody expected has really found his way into the team. 11.6 six assists and two steals. So um, you might be a little bit alarmed that the team's lost, uh, either did lose or almost nearly lost uh, 17 point uh, leads. Uh, but in the end, you know, they, they got their victories in, in, a, in games and a group that really was decided. So didn't have much drama in it. They need a three pointer to send this game to overtime. Mike Green. Green outside the three is good. Oh my word! What a game! As they throw it up from the half court, can you believe it? A three right on the buzzer from Quentin Serres. And the last group, Group D. This was the most exciting group throughout the season, and it was also that way on the final game day. Bologna finished the season in first place at 10-4 and with a win over Prometheus. Besiktas have moved all the way up to second place at 9-5 and after being red hot to close out the season. Neptunus snuck into third place at 8-6 and with a win over Bayreuth. They also got some help from Strasbourg, who beat Ostend to help Neptunus get into the playoffs. Prometheus, they fell to fourth place at eight and six after their loss to Bologna. Strasbourg in fifth, Ostend sixth after their home loss against Strasbourg, and then Bayreuth and Olympia, seventh and eighth place, have been eliminated. Dave, let's start this one off with Ostend losing at home in overtime against Strasbourg. Ostend, like Avellino, controlled their own destiny. All they had to do was get a win, and they would be in the playoffs. But Quentin Serron had other ideas, hit some clutch shots. Strasbourg ended up winning this one in overtime, 100-94. What did you think about the Belgium team uh, squandering a great chance to make the playoffs at home? Yeah, and they lost it late, too. I mean, they were up by six with uh, just over a minute left in regulation uh, and, uh, you know, fell apart, didn't hit the free throws and didn't foul Saron, uh, you know, who had the three at the buzzer to send the game at the buzzer to send the game to overtime, you know, up by three, you don't foul. And yeah, um, I mean, it's heartbreaking. You think Avellino, you know, you, you win and you're in and, you know, you do control your destiny and in, in kind of a, a bit of a chaotic situation. Um, but it's, you know, you have to execute. And then these guys, uh, they just weren't able to execute down the stretch. And, uh, you know, you look at some of the, the, the veteran leadership of, of, uh, uh, of Strasbourg and that, you know, kind of shine through. Yeah, in my opinion, neither of these teams really deserved to make the playoffs. I think. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm neither glad. of them did. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad it worked out the way it did. You know, Strasbourg. We we talked about their recent struggles uh, over the last few weeks, just not being able to play well in fourth quarters. That cost them games uh, that you know that they could have won on their home court. Uh, to close out the regular season and secure their spot. They weren't able to get it done there. And Ostend, you know, they went on that six-game winning streak. They were winning all of these games by one, two, three points. Finally, you know, just living on the edge caught up to them. You mentioned 
led by six points with over a minute left. You know, Jurisic, Feeler, these guys were hitting threes. Jurisic had a huge dunk to put them up six. But then after that, they gave up a wide open layup to Triore, a wide open three to Nicola Long, who's probably the last guy in the BCL that you want to leave open. And then on that last possession, like you mentioned, Green got, uh, or Green got to the rim. And then on that last possession, penetrated again, kicked it out to Saran for a wide open three to send it to overtime. And then Ostend in overtime just couldn't get anything going offensively. Strasbourg got some big threes from Long and Jarrell Eddy. So, you know, for me, Ostend, if you, if you're going to be in the playoffs, you gotta, you gotta win this game. You know, this is, uh, a, a situation where they controlled their own destiny. They had every opportunity to put this one away and just couldn't do it. Dave, any final thoughts here before we move on? No, I mean, I mean, you, and you also you do have to tip your hat to Strasburg for for you know doing their part and trying to get into it, also doing it without Marty Collins. So, but uh, no, it just you know, then they started what they started zero and five. Is that what they they were at the beginning of the the? I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, and then they had the big the big run. But uh, no, it's it's it wasn't meant to be for Ostend, I guess. Yeah, props to them for turning their season around, and they will be playing in the FIBA Europe Cup. I think they'll you know they'll be a big problem in that competition. I wouldn't be shocked at all if if they end up winning that or at least making the final. But yeah, credit to Strasbourg for winning this game with no Collins, also no Florian Preachers. Uh, so you know a shorthanded Strasbourg team got the win. They needed Bayreuth to beat Neptunus, but they did not get that result. So moving on, Neptunus. Clinched the third seed, 83-73 to win at home over Bayreuth. This was a game where they were in control for the most part. Um, you know, veteran, uh, veteran leadership, guys like Lorenzo Williams, Dre Grant, Kyle Weaver stepped up and, and brought this one home. Tomas Delinenakaitis, 15 points in under 13 minutes for Neptunus. Uh, Dave, I, th- I think, you know, this is a team that started the season strong. We were really impressed by them. They faded a little bit, but now coming on strong to end the season and get into the playoffs on a four game winning streak. Uh, this is a, this looks like a pretty dangerous team going into the round of 16. Yeah, yeah, I mean for sure. I mean, you know, with 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 that with that group of of uh of of, you know, leaders. Yeah, I mean, I this is a team that that and plus with a pretty good uh with a pretty good home court uh, uh atmosphere there. You know, this is a team that if they get hot, if 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 they, you know, I mean, Jerry Grant is is the the epitome of the of the team of the week snub. Um, you know, maybe he ends up getting on there. Um, yeah, and I mean you look, they make threes, you know, you Delinakaitis, you know, uh, obviously is, is, is one of the, probably one of the best shooters uh, in this competition. You know, they shot 39%, held, uh, held, held by right to 27. And, uh, you know, with, with Weaver and, and, and Grant, it's, this is a team that, uh, you know, there's no reason why this team can't make it to the final four. Yeah, and the last game in this group that we'll talk about, Virtus Bologna beating Prometheus 98-91 to to clinch first place. Prometheus, tough break, falling all the way to fourth. They played this game without Ryan Brown, their star player, so no surprise that they ended up losing this one. But Dave, really tough break for this team to fall to fourth place, and uh, they are going to be very dangerous as a four seed. Hey, man, to, 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 to bring the game to overtime, come back from 15... 15- 15 points down 15 points down in Bologna without Brown send it to overtime and and you know okay overtime was a little too much for them but hey you know 
I there's I know we talk we're, we we keep saying we keep saying that all these teams are 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 good and you know this is a, this is another super dangerous fourth seed you know Antwerp's a fourth seed, um, an, absolutely not a team I want to face. Um, that the team that plays just you know uh, uncomfortable basketball has guys that can score. You know this was you know you saw Parks Parks had a, had a really big game. Uh, we saw we saw um, Marrera play a big game today. Uh, in this one, Kravich, I believe, didn't play. Um, so we're you know we're kind of seeing maybe uh, what um, uh, what Sacripante want maybe wants to do with his bigs. Uh, I wonder if, if what you know because I think I think uh, didn't didn't Quali not play much last game, and so now um, Kravich doesn't play. So he. I wonder if he's going to look at the matchups of them all and, and, and really kind of just use the two of them. So, you know, this is Bologna. We're still trying to figure things out. Obviously the other positions are pretty much set. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was a, this was an interesting game to, to watch. Uh, and, uh, I'll bring something else up in overtime. Yeah. And just one final note from me on this group, Petrol Olympia finished the season with only one win at one and 13, but it was really fun watching those guys mm-hmm. throughout the season. Luka Samanich, potential first round pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Uh, Yusuf Senon, who was drafted by the Washington Wizards last year and some other talented young players on that team as well. It was really fun watching Petrol Olympia throughout the season. And, you know, it's a shame they couldn't get a couple more wins. It, it's also not surprising with that amount of young players players uh going in a, in a tough tough group like they were in but credit to those guys on a good season and dave i, I know you enjoyed watching Samanich and some of these guys develop throughout the year yeah and Samanich huge huge final game 19 and 9 you know and and they still have the aba and they're still gonna play they still play in slovenia league so um yeah i mean this there's a great move for Samanich to go from Barcelona to to uh, to Olympia in order to play in this competition, and you see just the progression that he's had all year, just more and more confidence in his ability, and he's able to 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 figure out what he's able to do against older guys, and you know it's it's been fantastic, and he will be missed. You know, I don't I'm not going to be able to I don't really have time to watch ABA league games, but so um, yeah. Uh, Definitely congrats to those guys. They they definitely deserve more than one victory. Um, and I think they probably would have, could have been in a, in a fight for for the FIBA Europe Cup if they were in a different group. But uh, just, you know, that's the unluck of the draw sometimes as well. All right, so that's it for the group-by-group breakdowns. Like so many games in this week, though, we're going to overtime. Five topics. We'll get through these pretty quickly before our interview with Dominic Waters. First topic, Dave, most clutch performance. I'll throw it to you first on this one. Uh, you know, I went with Saran uh, uh, f- uh, for um, for Strasbourg. You know, uh, had, had the absolutely huge three, had some big shots all game. Um, and, and he was kind of, uh, you know, the main guy to, to, to that kind of needed to step up as well, you know, with Collins being out. So I, but I just think that, that, you know, that huge three, um, I mean, you could also, I mean, in theory, you could also go on with Marrera. He had some big, uh, some big, uh, baskets and, and a big block in overtime for Bologna, but I went with Saran. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with another, uh, another French team, Antoine Eto. Just incredible performance at the end of that game against Anvil. Like we mentioned earlier, two three-pointers in an eight-second span to really just completely save Le Mans' season. It looked like they were going to lose that game, and if they had lost that, they would have fallen out of the playoffs. So 
Major credit to Antoine Eto. Next topic, stat of the week. Dave, who you got for this one? Uh, I'm actually going to stay with Eto and, and, and give me a give me a second on this one. It's going to develop, but okay. So he, I'm going to take away the the 20 point game that he had in in week uh, in game day four because he uh, was injured and and didn't play in the fourth quarter. He had 20 points. So take away that game, he scored 80 points. Um, he was also, he also missed three games. So in the, in the other 10 games scored 80 points, 39 of those 39 of 80 were in the fourth quarter or overtime. So 39 of 80, 24 of those were scored in the final 141 of the game or overtime. So 24 of 80 is 30%, 30% of his points were scored in the final one minute and 41 seconds or overtime, including six three-pointers. So that's my stat of the week. 30% of your points over the over the entire regular season in the final 141. I'd say that's uh, probably probably decently on uh, on the clutch factor. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, I'm, I'm even more glad that I chose him as my most clutch than this week. For me, stat of the week, I'm going with 68, as in 68 of Avellino's 102 points were scored by Kiefer Sykes and Caleb Green. <laughs> uh, like I mentioned, yeah. Green with 39, Sykes with 29. I think that was um, you know, just emblematic of where this Avellino team ended up with all of their injuries, just so reliant on those two guys to get things done and, and just not enough help around them. And I think that's you know the main reason why they lost those last four games and fell out of the playoffs next up surprise of the week dave what do you have for this one uh i'm gonna go actually with uh lamon and 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 just the fact that they you know they finished so strong uh their you know their last three games they finished 80 or more points um they scored 89 against nizney 81 against avellino and then 88 against anvil um so i'm gonna you know just you know I guess continue the the disrespect or whatever of Lamont as a surprise, but you know that that they uh, you know I didn't I didn't see that that they that they had scored eighty points uh, over the last each of the last three games. So uh, I'll do that. What do you got? Yeah, for me, no effect on the playoff standings. But how about a little love for Opava? Like you said, getting their second. Yeah, second there you go. The there season. you go. That good one. Good one. I wish I had taken yours. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> no more one-hit wonders from Igor Djurkovic in the power rankings with Opava. They got their second win of the season, beating Bond. So that was my surprise of the week. Overreaction Friday, Dave. Uh, last one of the regular season. What's your final overreaction? This is the downfall of German basketball. <laughs> yeah. um, three of the four teams. So you had Bayreuth and, and Ludwigsburg coming into the into this competition as as quarterfinalists from last year. Obviously, Ludwigsburg uh, quarterfinalist the year before, and Ludwigsburg went to the final four, finished fourth last year. Uh, but three of the four teams didn't make it uh, into the regular. Uh, didn't make it to the to the playoffs. Only uh, Brose Bamberg. Uh, reached this the the round of 16 in the first two regular seasons um only one of seven german teams didn't reach the next stage that was bonn last year um so and you had a last place you had a last place team a second to last place team and and then bonn the last place team was ludwigsburg second to last was was bayreuth and bonn uh so you so this is the overreaction this is the downfall of german basketball what do you got 
I like it. I'll go the opposite in and say that Greece is the best basketball country in Europe as it stands right now with uh, the BCL, with Greece, all three representatives uh, from the country making the round of 16, the defending champions, Ike Athens, of course, in first place in their group, Pauk and Prometheus, both got four seeds and are going to be very dangerous. I would, I would not want to be a number one seed going up against either of those teams as a number four. So I'll go opposite of Germany, uh, Germany on the down, downfall, Greece on the upswing as my overreaction Friday. And the last category, underrated performance of the week. Who do you have for this one, Dave? You know, I'm going to go with uh, Lefteris Monsukas, the uh, the 15 year old with with uh, Prometheus Patras. Um, you know, he, they didn't have to play him. Uh, you know, this was an important game, and uh, they didn't have to play him. And they gave him basically a reward. They love him at this club. I we had talked a couple weeks ago that I was at the club, and they absolutely loved him. Um, and uh, you know, you look at it, you're like, okay, well, you know, they just gave him some time. He produced big time. I mean, he was in there 27 minutes, almost 28 minutes, scored seven points, hit a huge three uh, to really kind of bring them close. It was uh, it was under two minutes, and it made it a five-point game. And then they were down three, and uh, and Martin was on the break, and, and Mansukas got back from a miss. He didn't miss the shot, but somebody else missed it. He got back and drew the charge to get the possession going back the other way. Uh, Ended up seven points, three of five shooting, one of two threes, um, one rebound. He played almost 28 minutes and did not have a turnover as a 15-year-old. So I'll say underrated uh, Lefteris Mantzoukas. Congratulations to the young young gun um uh on a on a on a on a wonderful performance this was his first game since the first game of the of the season they put him in at the end of the game so okay so what do you got underrated or unsung yeah for me i'm going with valentin bigot from Mans. he was left off the team of the week a little bit overshadowed Mm -hmm. by eto who you know hit those clutch threes Ato ended up making the team of the week and, and, you know, getting kind of the headlines and the highlights for those clutch threes. But Bigot was awesome all game long. Uh, you know, Lamont would not be in a position to win that game if it wasn't for his efforts. 23 points, six rebounds, four assists, great hustle, had some big putback buckets. He hit clutch three pointers as well. Uh, so great performance from him as Lamont, uh, were able to get the win and move into the playoffs. That's going to do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Dominic Waters from Nanterre. On the other side of the interview, Dave's got to take off, but I'll be joined by Igor Jerkovic and Deacon Lloyd-Smith, the two great writers from ChampionsLeague.Basketball. We're going to break down the playoff draw and the round of 16 matchups, so stay tuned for that. Coming up next, Dominic Waters. Jones going to work defensively. Waters takes the three, counts it. All right, so on the show this week, we have Dominic Waters from Nanterre 92. Dominic, uh, thanks for taking some time. No problem. I'm happy to be, be here. Um, you guys had a uh, do-or-die game at uh, Halone and came up with a big uh, 74-62 victory. You had 14 points, three three-pointers, three, three seven assists. Um, you guys held them to 62 points. Uh, 38% uh, shooting. Uh, maybe just, I guess, start with uh, talking about that defensive performance. Uh, you guys held them to 21 points below their average. Talk about the, that victory for you guys. 
A uh, big victory, of course. It was a high stakes game. Uh, we were we came in there really excited to play with a lot of energy, uh, knowing that you know feeling like we're the better team. If we're pretty much healthy all the way around, and they're not. They're wounded. So I think the key to the game was us really focusing on our scouting and and focusing on their plays and knowing what they're looking for and trying to take those things away. So it was uh, it was a good concentration by us as a team. We're very happy to win. Um, these do or die games are, are, you know, kind of the things that everybody likes to play. Uh, how, how, how much fun was this for you, uh, and this team to play this game? Uh, really fun for me. Cause I played in Hawaii uh, mm-hmm. previously in 2012, 2013. So, uh, this is my second time coming back. I was here last year with Karshiaka in our group. They were in our group last year as well. Um, so I've been here a couple of times. It's always special coming back to someone somewhere you're familiar with and then killing them. So uh, <laughs> I took special enjoyment in that for sure. And the fans didn't like it at all that I celebrated a little bit, but uh, it was all in good fun. Yeah, we'll come to your have ball, will travel uh, career in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, right. off- offensively, you guys came up with an answer anytime Hello and really got, would get close. Uh, you guys are, are second in the BCL uh, in three-point percentage with, at 43.3%. I'm sure that's one of the things, but but what makes this team so dangerous? We have good players at every position. Uh, Coach really did a good job of putting the team together, I think. And um, you know, when we when we get into our passing game, we're dangerous to beat because we spread the floor. Uh, my, my my job is to come up the pick and roll and stretch the defense, get rid of the ball, and and find my shooters on the backside of the defense and. When we're doing that, we're really, really hard to guard. We share the ball, we move the ball, we play together. Um, it's really, it's, it's, we're dangerous, you know. And then when we lock in on defense, because we are such a good scoring team, when we do lock in on the defense, we're a really, really good team. We're really dangerous. So uh, Julian and um, uh, Tre- Treadwell played really good down low, and that's the key because we're so guard heavy that when they do what they're supposed to do, like they're capable of every game, uh, you know, we're dangerous. We're really dangerous. So we're happy as a group. We did our jobs. You you also take care of the ball. Um, ten point seven turnovers a game is a, is, a, is a really a great number. Um, you know, yeah. with being one of the main ball handlers, how much pride uh, do you have in in that in that low number? Uh, I take big pride in, and one of my I say weaknesses is being a little turnover prone, especially because I have to handle the ball so much and. I'm a playmaker, you know, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a pass first point guard. So I'm always looking to create shots and create angles for other players. So, you know, I've in my career, I think it's been one of my weaknesses is turning the ball over and I've taken great pride in keeping my, my turnovers low this season. Um, and then, you know, something I want to focus on, just continue to progress as a player each year. And I think that myself is doing a great job of that. I do most of our turning over still. So, <laughs> uh, as a team, it's definitely, it's definitely good to be so low because, we, we, we take and make good shots. You know, we, we like to pride ourselves on taking the best shot for the team. So when you're not forcing things, you're not forcing shots, generally you don't turn the ball over, you know. So uh, we take great pride in that. Uh, on the on the podcast past couple of months, we've we've mentioned a couple of times that it seems so long ago and, and so odd uh, looking back that Nanterre lost to Opava on game day one. Uh, maybe take us back right. to that. What happened back then in October – and man, that that loss almost cost you guys a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, we of course we were talking about it earlier uh, this morning that it just you just 
never realize how important each game is each week. You take it for granted thinking, oh, we can lose this one and make up for it later. But man, time flies, you know what I mean? So it catches up to you quick, and we're glad it didn't catch us. Man. They were, Opava was really hot that game. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't scouting-wise. We underestimated You know how it goes. You hear how it goes. You underestimate a team that catch you off guard, and they end up beating you. You know, that was kind of what happened there. We just didn't expect them to come out so hot and on fire, and they were feeling good, and, and they got the best of us. So hats off to them for that, and I'm just happy – we were able to recover. Uh, we lost a couple tough ones. Even Palk at Palk's place with the last second, couple last second fouls. Yeah, the foul at the end. The game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was. It was. It was it's not just Opava. It's, 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 I think Palk was a tough one too. But uh, definitely happy that we were able to recover because uh, you know I don't want to be a loser. I want to advance. So I'm really happy that we advanced. Um, the team started one and three in the BCL and also two and three in the French flight. You know, you guys finished the regular season. Uh, at four and one over the last five, um, was there any kind of changing point for for the team in the season? Um, well, early in the season, we didn't have Demetrius Treadwell or um, Jeremy Singlin, so they 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 changed the game for us, uh, for me in particular, just with Treadwell taking good screens, rolling hard, and and um, Jeremy being the the offensive threat he is, he's really dangerous. Uh, he's our main scorer. He's our he's our bucket getter. So, uh, you know, a lot of that was weighed heavy on me and having to be the only ball handler. Jeremy takes that pressure off of me and being the threat of the pick and roll. So, those two guys are really key to our success. Um, and that was, I would say, the main difference between the start of our season and both leagues. Um, another t- another talking point on the podcast has been uh, Tenerife. Um, you guys lost to. Tenerife by 17 at their place uh, at home, and then by 11 uh, at uh, at their place. Uh, for for whatever reason, they just see, haven't seemed to convince me this year. Um, what makes them such a good team? Ooh, they're dangerous. Um, they they're different. I mean, one of me and my one of my coaches Philip was talking about them yesterday. We're talking about them yesterday, and how. Their ball movement is uh, that ball doesn't stop for them. Like they they find the open man, they know what they're looking for. They play collectively as a team, kind of the same identity as us. But they're even better because I think they've been together longer and they just know each other. You know, you can tell they're all on the same page on the offense, and 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 it's really impressive to watch them play. I compare it to a Spurs team when they were in their dynasty years of, you know, the beautiful ball movement that they have. Uh, is honestly uh, hats off and compliments to them for that. Also on defense, they're collective as well. I mean, they're just. I think I think they're the favorite. I mean, okay, not just because we played against them and they're in our group, but when I watch other teams play, they play so much different than every other team that that plays as far as the ball movement. That stuff it's hard to guard when you move the ball that fast and and and, and on point like that. So. Okay. Uh, they're really dangerous. All right, fantastic. Um, a little bit about you. Uh, we talked to a lot of Americans who, who come from a lot of different place places, um, and also asked them about the basketball scene where they grow up. Uh, you're the first guy we have from Portland, so tell us a little bit about hoops in Portland. Uh, hoops in Portland is is good. Uh, we have you know some good players that came out of my area. I played at AU with Kevin Love, Kyle Singler. Uh, I think I mentioned that to you before, maybe. Um, so we got some big time NBA guys, a couple of them, but Terrence Jones, but he's in and out of the league. Um, 
Terrence Ross. Those guys are a little younger than me, but the scene is okay. It's up and down. I think we're regaining some uh, some power now with our younger groups. I have an AAU team along with my best friend, Indomitian Sue, who plays uh, football was in the Super Bowl for the Rams. We have an AAU team now that we have that, you know, we have a lot of prospects, a couple of top five prospects in their class. So uh, we're looking to really build the culture of basketball back up in our, in our state and and because it's been a little down lately, so um, we're, we're we're coming back up. I don't really, you know, we don't have pro ams, big time pro ams, or anything like big cities like LA have. But it's a good basketball culture there. You know, we really have a good skill set. You know, so it's good. Uh, you mentioned him. Uh, I saw that that Ndamukong uh, um, Sue is actually a good friend. Visited you in Greece uh, in February 2017. Yeah. Obviously, they they lost uh-huh. the Super Bowl. What did you think of the Super Bowl? Uh, it was a little, it was a little uh, boring to me, like uh, you heard from everybody else, I'm sure. But just because it wasn't a high scoring, but I mean, he plays defense, so I'm into the defense. So I knew, I understood it was a defensive battle, and that was the type of game it was. So it's always entertaining to watch him play. He's happy and proud of him doing what he does. So uh, it, it was fine for me. Of course, I wish the Rams would have won, but uh, we'll see next year. I think they'll be back. Uh, you played your first two years of college basketball in Hawaii for the University of Hawaii. Personally, I've been to Hawaii twice uh, and really loved it sure. both meant both times. Uh, but many people have never been there before. So um, how do you like playing there? Uh, and I, I imagine probably the biggest negative was uh, the travel of uh, 10 flights to anywhere on the uh, six hours oh, yeah. uh, to anywhere on the West Coast oh, of the yeah. States. Oh, yeah, that was the toughest part. Isn't it? <laughs> and I've said this many times that it really prepared me to play ball in Europe That's just because yeah. uh, I'm so far away from home already. Like I was six, seven hours to go get to go home for Christmas or anything like that when I was there for the two years. So uh, it prepared me to be away from home and be away from my friends and family. But it was great. You know, the, the basketball and the football there, the NBA and the NFL, there's no there's no team, other professional team on the island. So we were kind of looked at as the stars. Uh, playing there, you know, they have a nice 12,000 seat arena or something like that. It's beautiful there, beautiful weather. Um, beach, of course. Uh, you can't really complain. The worst part was the travel, though, for sure. It's a great place. Highly recommend it. Yeah, definitely. I can uh, I can uh, attest to that as well. Uh, your professional career started in Belgium in 2010 and took you uh, to, are you ready, Slovenia, Israel, Spain, Germany, Greece, Russia, Italy, back to Greece, Turkey, and now France. Um, what do you think, what do you think when I say, say that, um, and, and list all of those countries? Uh, shoot, well-traveled, man. Big experience, man. I've had such big experiences everywhere, you know, cherish everywhere I've been. Super blessed, you know. Normally players stay, you know, stay in certain countries for a while or whatever, but I was blessed to kind of explore and, 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 and see different cultures and appreciate them for what they are and be able to pick out my favorites and and cherish them a little more than others. But uh, I've built my basketball experience up and it's helped me and my IQ and, and to learn different things, and I think I can play anywhere. So uh, I'm just thankful that I'm able still to be healthy and, and get jobs, and not everybody is able to get jobs and get good jobs at that. So I'm I'm happy and blessed for sure. You, you mentioned favorite places. You know, you've been to so many, either as a you know player on the home team or as a as an opponent coming to town. Um, some of your favorites to visit, or and is there anything you try to do uh, when you when you come to a new city or country? Favorite place to play probably was was, was 
in Athens with Olympiacos, I think, you know, being on such a big time team, you know, we made it to the EuroLeague final, which I'm super, really, really proud of. Uh, that's like the Super Bowl for me, you know, the once in a lifetime type situation. And I was blessed to be a part of that group. Um, and the city has everything to offer. Um, so that's probably my favorite city, uh, uh, country as well. I spent three years in Greece, basically. So, so, uh, I have a big love for Greece and the Greek people. Um, second, I'll probably be here in Israel, Israel, you know, the warmer weather is always great to be in warm weather and, 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 and good climate. So, uh, two of my favorite places. You, you mentioned the, 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 the EuroLeague Final Four, losing to Fenerbahce in the final, but obviously reaching that, such a huge uh, accomplishment. Uh, maybe what did you what did it mean for you to accomplish that, um, you know, in your seventh year as a professional? It's a huge deal. I mean, I think for anyone it is. Uh, I'm just happy I was given the opportunity. I played well enough to get recognized enough for them to appreciate, you know, what I brought to the table. I'm, when I got there, I was helping the team, you know, really a, a lot. I felt like I did my part. I played my role. I was, I came in there to fit a, fit a role, and I, I, I fit in well because um, I understood how they played and how they wanted to play just by playing against them, and I knew my skill set fit into what they do, you know. I think a lot of players can play EuroLeague. It just depends on the coach and, and if you do what they like you to do, you know what I mean? So. I was just happy and blessed to be able to do that. And it means a lot, man. Not a lot of people get to play EuroLeague, first of all, and a lot of people, and not a lot of people get to make it to the EuroLeague final. So uh, I'm grateful. I'm super grateful for that and super proud. And, and, and you know, I, I wear that on my chest, that chip on my shoulder, that, you know, I feel like I'm a big time player just because I've experienced so much, especially at that level. Um, this is your ninth season, um, but you know it's it's hard to notice, hard not to notice that that only three of them you you stayed with the team for the whole season, uh, including the pro, uh, including the preseason. You had Liege uh, in uh, eleven, twelve, fifteen, sixteen in Aris, and then last season at uh, Kashiaka. Um, obviously, there's loads of things that go on. You know, you know, limited contract. You know, team doesn't pay whatever. Uh, but why would you say right. that? What? Why would you say that happened? That that happened uh, over the course of the of your career, like Almost that? Every time I can think of, that I've left, was because of money. Uh-huh. Uh, they stopped paying, or it had been a couple months behind, or they felt like they couldn't honor the contract based on budget issues, and so, you know. My agent, only time it wasn't like that, I think, was in uh, Spain and Manresa. We just, situations just didn't get along. But leaving leaving Slovenia, they, it was a money situation. Uh, when else did I leave halfway through the season there? And then Cantu, I was just on a short-term contract replacing somebody, and I happened to be playing well at the right time when Olympiacos needed a player. And they bought me out right before I was going to be available, but they wanted me right at that moment. So... Uh, really, uh, majority was was money issues with the team. Um, a little something, a little more more fun, whatever. Maybe some of your favorite players to play against, and then also maybe which guys did you go into the game thinking, oh man, this is going to be a tough one. Ooh. who would jump out to me at Euroleague level? Huh. Nobody really scared me. Let me think. Let me think. Scotty Wilbekin's pretty good. He plays both ends of the court. Uh, 
Scotty plays good defense, pressure defense, and he's really good offensively. Um, and that came to mind first. Let me think of somebody else. I played with Spanula, so that's tough. Uh, it doesn't really get much better than that. So if I'm not scared of him, then you can't really be scared <laughs> of anybody, I think. So uh, nobody really jumps out to me. You know, I, I'm, I got confidence in myself, so I don't really, you know, back down from any. Of course, there's good games and bad games, but nobody really sticks out on the top of my head, I guess. I don't know. Tyrese Rice, maybe shifty. Um, guards that are small and shifty cause me problems. I like guys six six one and above. I can keep them in front. Um, you uh, last season you helped uh, Kashiaka to the quarterfinals, uh, and then you guys lost to uh, to Mercia. Mercia. Um, maybe uh, what you learned from that experience that has kind of helped you moving forward. Obviously, that was after uh, Olympiacos uh, and the Final Four, but maybe what you learned from that experience. Uh, we also had to qualify for the BCL. So we played a play-in games and made it through that, came in first or second in our group, came through that, had a tough uh, playoff with uh, Pauk last year, got through that. It's, being able to overcome those those tests uh, each time, it just gives you, gives you more experience and knowing like I've been here before, you know what I mean? So even even – coming into last night's game just knowing that i've been there before and that you know i've played in bigger games than this before you know gives you that confidence to know like nothing to be afraid of just go attack it and you'll be fine you know just play the game and definitely gives me confidence to overcome all those challenges uh, i would love to play in the final in the champions league final four i might be the first player to play in both if i make it so that's definitely a goal of mine uh, you're in the playoffs. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, we don't know who your opponents will be. We'll know that in a, in a couple of days. Um, maybe right. just what's possible for this team? Anything's possible. I was telling a story about how I barely got through into the playoffs and ended up winning it. So, you know, any team can get hot. It's all about getting hot at the right times. And, and I definitely think we can be that Cinderella team just by the way we play and play together and we're hungry for a trophy. Uh, Coach really built his team to win trophies, and, you know, we want to get at least one of the four available to us, so, and this is one of them. So we're we're going to work hard in order to, to, to achieve our goals. So uh, we're hungry. We're really, really hungry to win. Obviously, Final Four is just kind of a not, – not, not necessarily a crapshoot, but it's, you know, just a one-game one elimination. But with the two legs, uh, what, what would you say Nanterra need to do to reach the Basketball Champions League Final Four? Uh, keep progressing. I think, I think our main thing is being able to continue to be good on defense, like keep working on our defense and stay as a collective on defense like we were tonight. Uh, because Salone is a dangerous offensive team. They just had scored a hundred points on Maccabi the day before we play or two days before we played them, you know? So they're not an easy team to defend. You know, maybe we caught them at the right time, a little fatigued or whatever, but, uh, as long as we play defense, I think we can go as far as the final four, at least for sure. If we, if we stay on this path and not get lazy and stay focused, I think anything's possible. All right. Fantastic. Uh, Dominic Waters uh, from Nanterre 92. Thank you very much for, for your time and uh, look forward to seeing who you guys get to match up with uh, and uh, safe travels, more travels around Europe. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
All right. Thanks again to Dominic Waters for joining us on this week's show. Uh, Dave, really interesting stuff there. What did you think about what Waters had to say? Yeah, I mean, what a career, you know, going everywhere and, and seeing all these different places. I think that's one of the things that, that being a professional basketball player, you can really, you know, see so much and, and, and experience so much. But no title. It's one thing we didn't talk about actually in the interview, in, in the interview but we talked about actually after the call. Uh, he's never won a championship. Even with Olympiacos, uh, that 2007-16-17 season, it was Panathinaikos who won the uh, the Greek League. Uh, so that that adds a little bit more to the hunger that that uh, Waters has got going into this season. Uh, but just a fun, uh, you know, just just some fantastic insight and in so many things. And uh, you know, thanks again to to him for for taking some time out to uh, to chat to us. Yeah, I loved what he had to say about Tenerife. I, I thought that was great, great insight as an opponent uh, into what makes that team special. And interesting that he called them the favorites. We'll, we'll see how that ends up ends up going uh, in the round of 16 and as the season progresses. The other thing, I loved just how uh, how happy he was about beating his former team on their home court to advance to the playoffs. I, th- I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, he said it was it was cool to be back and it was cool to just kill them and advance to the playoffs. And, and you know, he hit a, a clutch three and did a little jump and a hop and a skip and the fans there weren't very happy about it. But I thought it was, it was great, great theater and glad to see him enjoying himself out there after hitting big shots like that um dave thanks uh thanks again for doing the breakdown with us uh any any final words before we let you go yeah just enjoy uh i'll be following the the draw um but uh and i'm sure we'll have plenty of chance to talk about all the uh the playoff matches uh matchups but uh, enjoy talking to uh to igor and deacon and uh yeah, we'll talk. Uh, I'll talk to to the rest of you guys then next week. Enjoy the re- the, the the remainder of the show, and uh, yeah, it, it, the basketball. There's basketball to to watch. Uh, Champions League will take a break, but uh, we we won't be we won't be taking a break. We'll be having shows, so uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Dave. Enjoy Lithuania, a great place to be as a basketball lover. So enjoy that country while you're out there for a few days. And coming up next, Igor Djurkovic and Deacon Lloyd-Smith. We're going to go through all of the matchups in the round of 16 and give some initial thoughts, uh, most interesting matchups, favorite teams to watch, etc., to get you guys ready for the round of 16. Now it's Williams who puts up a three. Grant open. Good money in the bank. Hands it off and the two hands. All right, joining me for some instant reaction to the round of 16 playoff matchups, two guys who probably watch more basketball Champions League than just about anybody. They're the writers for the official website, championsleague.basketball. That's Igor Djurkovic and Deacon Lloyd-Smith. Igor, how's it going today? Yeah, I'm all good, all good. Watch the draw, kind of excited. Can't wait for this (laughs) break to be over and let's get them on the court. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, no doubt. And Deacon, how you doing as well? Yeah, same. Feeling good. I uh, enjoyed enjoyed uh, some of the matchups that the draw has thrown at us. It looks like um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we have some awesome matchups. The playoffs don't start for about a month, March 5th and 6th, and then March 12th and 13th will be the dates of the games. It's a two-leg aggregate score for the round of 16. Let's just go through the matchups pretty quickly uh, for the listeners. So... Neptunus, they'll be playing Jerusalem, and the winner of that will face the winner of Prometheus and Tenerife in the quarterfinals. 
Nizhny Novgorod, they were drawn up against Raya Venezia. The winner of that series will face the winner of Antwerp versus Murcia. I'm really excited about that one. Nanterre, they will be going up against Besiktas, and the winner of that will face the winner of Le Mans and Bologna. And then one of the more interesting ones, Bamberg versus Banvit, with the winner facing Pauk versus Ike in an all-Greek battle. Uh, Igor, we'll start with you on this one. Just what were some of your initial thoughts on the draw and w- which matchups really jumped out to you? Uh, I only had like two wishes ahead of the draw. I wanted a Greek derby and I got the, what they call a double-headed Eagles derby <laughs> between Pauk <laughs> and Ike because they both have double-headed Eagles in their logos. And the other thing that I wanted was uh, Antwerp against uh, Murcia because I believe that Antwerp are one of the better teams of the league and it could be a fun test for uh, Murcia who went through their group phase basically unfazed. They were easy and true and powered through to a 13-1 record which was only achieved once previously in our previous two seasons. Only Monaco last season managed to go through the group phase with just a single defeat. So it will be a couple of brilliant games. Yeah, for sure. And I'm. let's just start with that Antwerp versus Morcia game, because I'm really excited about that one as well, where we have the four-seed Antwerp, a young team, a lot of offensive talent, going up against a much more veteran Morcia squad that's really known for their defense. Uh, Igor, with that matchup, uh, you know, you've had Morcia a little bit down in the power rankings all season, despite having such a great record in the BCL. Uh, what is it about that matchup that, that really intrigues you and thinks and makes you think that Antwerp have a shot? Um, it's like there are two plot twists to that matchup because uh, the reason why Murcia were always so down in the power rankings is their horrible domestic record. Um, I've done the power rankings this season by combining the BCL record and the domestic championship records. And uh, Uca Murcia are basically in relegation zone in Spain. So it will be interesting to see how they fit in the um, much-needed playoffs wins against uh, Antwerp between the relegation fights in Spain. And you know how tough the Spanish league is. And the other thing is the the first game will like show us where we stand in this matchup because... Antwerp are one of the best uh, teams at home, best home teams in basically all of Europe. Uh, this season, they are 14-4 and four at home in all competitions. The only four games that they've lost at home was against Bamberg, Ajax, uh, Charleroi and Ostend. And those are four top teams like Charleroi and Ostend are top two Belgian teams. And you know all about Bamberg and Ajax. So those are the four defeats they had in 18 games that proves that they will have a lot to say in the first game, which they play at home. Yeah, and Deacon, sticking with this game, uh, looking at some of the individual matchups, I think you know Paris Lee going up against Charlene Kloof is, is one that really jumped out to me. Uh, what, what do you see as kind of some of the more important individual matchups that will decide this series? For sure. I definitely had Paris Lee and, um, and Charlene Kloof. I'm also looking at Baco versus Soko. That's going to be a lot of fun. That both guys get up and down the floor quick and um and get above the rim. So how, how much time they spend guarding each other will be interesting to watch. And for for Baco, he's a he's a young guy, so that's a tough matchup for him. Yeah, and and you're a, you're a coach. You have a coaching background. If you're Antwerp and you are looking to pull off an upset going up against this Morcia team, I I know it's 
early in the in the process and you haven't had a ton of time to think about these matchups uh but but what can antwerp do stylistically to maybe give more CSM problems I, I think they you know this is a team that beat jerusalem um which is something to do in itself and uh they did that just by being fearless and doing what they always do so they have these wild quarters where they where they run and they execute and um and they don't seem to really fear anybody that they play so I, I don't think it's i don't know if it's a stylistic thing or if it's just going to be about getting getting what they do done and then looking at the other side the two teams on the other side of this bracket nizhny novgorod versus raya venezia my my first reaction was kendrick perry going up against marquez haynes is going to be an amazing matchup deacon I'll, I'll throw it to you first with nizhny versus venezia just what, what were some initial reactions when you saw these two teams matched up against each other so I didn't have a, a matchup that I wanted coming in, but the moment I saw the draw, this this one stood out to me because of um, drama, basically. So Nizhny had that double OT with with um, Murthia, where neither team looked like they knew how they wanted to win the game, um, and then Venezia just seemed to attract drama every year. Every year, there's just some kind of double OT. They they started this season with double OT, I think, and they had triple OT the season before. Uh, just now came through an OT game with Nanterre. And then, of, then then in terms of timeout entertainment, you have the two most entertaining timeout coaches in the BCL, or at least two of them. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch this one. It's, you can guarantee that it's, it's going to go to the wire in, in the home leg, um, which is a long trip to Nizhny, by the way, that's not an easy, easy commute to work that day. And, um, and you just won't be able to call it. I, I hope it's Jeff calling it too. I hope it's Jeff Taylor on that game. Yeah, I I don't fully trust either of these teams, and uh, but but I agree it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, Nizhny tough defensive team. Uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how they match up against some of the Venezia weapons. Igor, throw it to you for this. Uh, just you know, what were some of your initial reactions uh, for this matchup? Uh, this is basically a rematch because they played last season in the quarterfinals of the FIBA Europe Cup. And Venezia came out on top. Uh, it was the same kind of format, home and away. Uh, they edged out uh, Nizhny. And Venezia will be really happy that <laughs> Stefan Jelovac is no longer with Nizhny because he had the games of 28 points and 12 rebounds in the first one. And the other one was absurd with 38 points and 15 rebounds. <laughs> that was probably the game that sold Stefan Jelovac to Bamberg because he was amazing in that game. But... If coach De Rafael and the Venezia managed to um, outlast that effort and if they managed to carve out a win in such a tough environment back then, I believe that they'll have all the confidence to do it once again. And that last season when they ended, the, ended up winning the FIBA Europe Cup gave them some much needed European international experience how to win a trophy because they've been to Final Fours and now they know the feeling and probably want to repeat it again. I think the other thing to jump into that as well is is um Nizhny are top five defensively, top you know, in terms of defensive rating, but how they how they match up with Austin Day will be interesting. So Austin Day is kind of like the way Venezia go. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off. And if he's on, it's a it's a really tough matchup for Nizhny. Yeah, and sometimes he fouls out in eight minutes. So right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's it, another problem. There will be another problem for Nizhny because I, I really don't don't know if the VTB league will change the schedule. But um, it seems now that they will have 
a couple of tough games between the two games uh, against Venezia. So they're supposed to play against Venezia at home. Then they have uh, Enisei Krasnjarsk and Himki coming to town and then they travel to Venezia. So if that happens, if that stays that tough schedule with two games in between two playoff games for Nizhny, that's going to be a trouble for them. What they, they, they beat Kimki already this season and then I think went to then lost in the, the BCL after that. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I do think one issue, though, is this isn't a, a particularly deep team. So then when you add the travel going from Russia to Italy and then the games in between, yeah, I, I could definitely see that being a big problem. All right, let's move on to the team that can maybe be considered the favorite. At least that's what Dominic Waters just said uh, in an interview earlier on this podcast. We were talking to him about Tenerife and what makes them so dangerous. And he said they are a Spurs-like offense with their ball movement. He said they're incredibly difficult to guard. And Dominic Waters from Nanterre put Tenerife as the favorite to win the competition right now. Of course, uh, the Spaniards are the 2017 champions, winning the first edition of the BCL. They drew a really interesting matchup against a tough Prometheus team that likes to pressure you full court. They have a lot of athletes with Ryan Brown, Octavius Ellis. I think they can give Tenerife some trouble. Uh, Deacon, I know you've you've been on the Tenerife bandwagon all season long. What is it about them that, that makes them special? And do you give Prometheus a shot in this series? I think the thing to say there is I don't know if I've been on anybody's bandwagon. I just try and see what's in front of me. But, I, you know, I do enjoy watching Tenerife play. I have to admit that. Um, I'd have to it, say that he's not on Tenerife bandwagon. He's on Chus Vidoreta's bandwagon. Yeah, you see, that, <laughs> fair, see, that's fair. just unfair. That's not true. I, I, don't, I don't have favorites. I just see what's, what's, what's in front of me. But it, it, I have to, it was good to see Chus back, back coaching again. Uh, in terms of the matchup, though, I think it's, it's a curious one because Prometheus have been a, a high steal team you know they press they press a lot of the game and they they generate a lot of steals and if you move the ball as much as Tenerife do you end up being liable to turn the ball over more obviously you know the more you pass the ball the more chance you have to turn it over so maybe that's an area that 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 has an impact on the game and then you know Tenerife are so good at getting good shots you know as soon as they get two on the ball or any kind of advantage they move the ball and they find an open shot somewhere often lobs the dunks and Prometheus, in terms of opponent shooting efficiency, uh, uh, you know they they struggle the most out of any team in the playoffs in terms of limiting teams to efficient shots. So um, it's going to be about how they manage to 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 stop the Tenerife the Tenerife uh, train rolling. And I, I guess that the, the stylistically, the the way Murcia did it, Murcia did it last season was to switch a ton. If you if you if you switch and try and keep one on one on the ball. Sometimes you can you can slow Tenerife down, but then on the other end, Prometheus is also a ball movement team themselves. So it's definitely going to be an attractive game on the eye. Yeah, Igor, throwing this one over to you. Uh, what were kind of your initial thoughts on this matchup? And um, again, you know, Prometheus coming in as a four seed, they'll definitely be the underdog. But do you give them much of a chance going up against this Tenerife squad? I really don't. I, I like them. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy Brown's game. I enjoy Prometheus. I enjoy Gika's passing. I really like them, but like they're them. only 10 and 7 at home. Like being 10 and 7 at home for the season in all competitions, you don't get any advantage. And if you're p playing a couple of games and a couple of games against a tough team like Tenerife, who are at the same time one of the best uh, visiting teams, one of the best traveling teams in all of Europe, 
like you basically don't stand a chance. Tenerife won 14 straight games away from home in the Basketball Champions League. And yeah. you have Prometheus who are only 10 and 7 at home right now. So I kind of think that Tenerife will probably walk all over Prometheus. I hope they don't because I would like to have another overtime <laughs> dramatic filled night. But I think that Tenerife will make this a one-way street. It's also the ultimate midweek getaway tie, isn't it? You know, one you can have a holiday in, in Patras and then you can go to Tenerife for the return leg. So lots of yes. uh, lots of lots of sick days and midweek days off for, yeah, for days by the pool. Get this, but, but get this, like uh, I talked about um, Nizhny's tough schedule, but listen to Tenerife's proposed schedule before and after the games. So you have playing against Zaragoza away from home. And Zaragoza are a tough team at home in Spain. Always were 10,000 people in the stands every single game. Then you got Prometheus away from home. Then you have the Canary Derby with Gran Canaria coming to Tenerife. Then it's Prometheus again, the return fixture. And then it's Basconia away from home. <laughs> so talk about a tough schedule. And if Tenerife end up that span that like, you have... Three, five games. If they ended on three and two, they'll be like a top team. I believe they could go five and zero oh in that tough span. But let's keep them at three and two and advancing to the quarterfinals. Also coming out of the the World Cup window too, and I think Tenerife have as many as, if not more, than anybody else that's going to be playing in that window. So I, I don't know where Spain travel to. So some of those there will be some tired bodies listening to that schedule. Yeah, that's yes. a good point. You know, Javi Beiran, uh, Sebastian Saiz, those guys have been important members of the Spanish national team during the FIBA windows. So the winner of Prometheus and Tenerife, they will face the winner of Neptunus and Jerusalem, setting up a potentially incredible quarterfinal matchup between Jerusalem and Tenerife, two teams that, you know, would look like final four contenders, championship contenders, no doubt. Uh, but first Jerusalem, before they get to that point, they have to go through Neptunus. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot this season about Jure Grant as a consistently good big man, even though, uh, much to Jeff Taylor's chagrin, we can't put him on the team of the week. <laughs> they've also, they've got some tough guards there. Uh, Igor, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you first on this one. One, you know, Jerusalem will obviously be considered the favorites, but how do you see this matchup? Yeah, I feel like Neptunas are the Croatia of the Basketball Champions League. Like, I'm from Croatia, and you know, I've heard of every single Eurobasket or World Cup or whatever qualifiers. Everybody speaks like, oh yeah, Croatia, they're a good-looking team. They're going to do some stuff, and then they don't. They basically fall apart. And every time that Croatia are considered to be outsiders, like, eh, yeah, probably Greece and Italy are the favorites. Croatia go on to win everything and book a place in the Rio Olympics or whatever. So Neptunas kind of behave the same way. When you expect them to win, when you expect them to do some damage, they disappear. And when you write them off, when you consider that uh, Besiktas and the Strasbourg and Ostende are the ones fighting for playoffs, somehow, somewhere, a Quentin Seron knocks down a three-pointer that sends Neptunas through. So it's going to be tough for Jerusalem because Neptunas are like hard to predict. But at the same time, I don't think there's a team that's as impressive as Jerusalem this season. I've had them at the top of the power rankings for like 13 weeks, I guess, because they keep on winning and there's nothing you can do about it when they get rolling and they've won eight of their last nine games, so they're feeling good heading to this break, and 
their feel good heading out of the break. Yeah, Deacon, I, I wanted to bring you in on this um, because you wrote a pretty interesting article earlier this season about Hapwell Jerusalem and their offensive rebounding. Uh, can you can you just talk a little bit about that and and what it is that uh, they do that makes them so dangerous offensively? For sure. Well, I, I would have liked to have had a camera seeing Jerry Grant's face, Jerry Grant's face when they drew Jerusalem because yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the athletic guy in that front line. You know, Goldicus is. Is a, a he works his, his backside off and he he does the dirty work on the glass, but the athlete in that front line is Jure Grant and Jerusalem, you know, will come into into the game with with three like that front line is the most athletic front line we in in the basketball Champions League. How's Jure Grant supposed to prepare for this? He's like waiting for Amari to come on so he can say, "Oh, he's the least fit of the two <laughs> yeah. guys." <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually what I wrote down uh, in my notes as, as soon as this matchup came up on the screen. Is I just wrote down Jerusalem Army of Bigs. So sorry, Deacon, go ahead and continue. No, it's the same. Like it's it's going to be about Neptunus and handling that front line. The thing is, they're Lithuanians, and Lithuanians love the underdog spot. So, like you know, they go into every European Championships and World Championships with that chip on their shoulder, and you know they they play in a way they move the ball. You know, they're a high assist percentage team, so they're going to move the ball and they're going to they're going to play the way they play. And they've got veterans in that team like Thomas Delan and Kaitis who have played everywhere and seen everything so it's not like going to come in with fear but it's a really tough tough spot for them you can't you can't avoid the the fact that Jerusalem has been a juggernaut so far so it's it's going to be a real challenge for Neptunus yeah, for sure. One one thing I do love about this matchup is two great home court environments. Uh, you know, Lithuania basketball yeah. crazed nation, and then Jerusalem with their fans. Uh, both both of these games should be really fun. Uh, looking at, at Jerusalem, a really key part of their offense, Tamir Blatt, young point guard. Uh, it, it, I'll I'll just kind of throw this to either of you guys. Do you think is there any concern about having a young point guard in a situation like this where he's going to have so much responsibility? Not when his dad is named David Blatt. I, I think he, I agree. I, I, you know, I'd like to say that the the toughest matchup he had was Paris Lee at Antwerp, but I don't see a Paris Lee on on um on the Neptunus roster. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Just wanted to throw it out there uh, as a as a potential factor in this game. But yeah, Blatt, high IQ, very composed, uh, well well beyond his years. So I think they'll be fine. I expect Jerusalem to probably roll through Neptunus in this series. Uh, let's move on to Le Mans versus Bologna. I think just looking at the matchups, this one is probably the most lopsided, in my opinion. Uh, I- Igor, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Italian basketball, so it, it wouldn't matter who's on the other side when Bologna are mentioned. I would always consider them favorites, but the first game will determine everything because Le Mans have kind of figured it out at home. They are the French champions still. They have the mentality and they won six straight games at home in all competitions. So basically, if they can keep that kind of home court pressure alive, maybe they stand a chance, but other than that, it's all Bologna for me. Yeah, Deacon, uh, if Lamont were to kind of put a scare in Bologna, how would how would they do that? What what's like the best case scenario for Lamont? I think that the 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 thing to remember with Lamont is that they're really under the radar. So, and last year, it's it's very easy to think of Ike as being this dominant force that we see now, but. Ike stole their way into the playoffs on, at the end of the regular season last year, and they nearly got knocked out 
several times in the playoffs too. So it's Lamona following a similar path. You know, if they're they're peaking at the right time in the season, and they seem to keep finding ways to win. So it's not as uh, cut and dried as it looks. And Bologna keep finding ways to lose as well. They, they keep coming up in games and looking like they're trying to lose them. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Bologna had the the seven and zero start, but since then they've they've come down to earth for sure. Uh, it'd have to be they, Bologna would have to be favourites, and and for good reason because they've been they over the course of the season they've been great, but it's not cut and dried that one. Yeah, for sure. And then on the other side of the bracket here, we've got a really, really exciting matchup with number three, Nanterre, going up against uh, number two, Besiktas, who have been red hot ever since they brought Jason Rich in, really kind of changed the dynamic of that team. I'm really excited about this because we've got Nanterre with an amazing offense going up against Besiktas, their pressure defense with with Phil Pressey, these guys who will really hound the ball. Uh, Deacon, I'll, I'll throw it to you first on this one. How do you see this matchup shaking out and do you do you see one of these teams uh as having a clear edge over the other one um i do and i see Besiktas having the slight edge and, I, and i'll say why not non-terra is so much fun to watch the the you know the, they shoot the ball and they kill you with variance you know if they if they if the shots are dropping then you're in trouble and they have a lot of guys that are so much fun to watch you're singling in these and you know specifically the backcourt is is a lot of fun to watch, but that Besiktas team is veteran, and they're going to know how to to slow the pace and take away the things that Nanterre want to do. So, I, I have Besiktas as favourites for that, but you can never write off Nanterre because you know if they, they they've shot and made more threes than anybody in Europe for about three seasons now, probably longer, and if they you know they can take a tie away from you in in one in one game, so he, probably Besiktas favourites, but you know, not by a lot, not by much. Yeah, Igor and, and Nanterre, they qualified by already winning a true playoff game. That that game on the road in Halon was do or die, winner advances, loser eliminated. Do you see that as, as helping Nanterre going into this matchup with Besiktas? Yeah, of course. And the way they've done it is by doing their job on the defensive end, which is something that we're not used to from uh, Nanterre, as Deacon said, over the last three seasons or more. They've all been like running and gunning and shooting the trees and really playing entertaining basketball. And right now, I'm not sure if they're still the top offensive rated team of the league, but they had their offensive rating at 120, which is absurd for the whole season. Yeah. And then you have Besiktas who have been on on a tear, on a six-game winning run, and nobody scored more than 75 points on them in that span. So... It's going to be the whole premise of defense against offense. And then again, I think that Besiktas will have um, a couple of valuable lessons uh, that they can kind of use in this matchup because they played against Nanterre last season. And would you imagine we have a home and away format and they played in the regular season last season? First game, Besiktas won by five points. Second game, Nanterre won by five points. <laughs> so that would basically mean we would we would be heading to overtime in the round of 16 if it happened again. And the other thing is that um, they kind of played last season's Bayreuth. They were basically something similar to this season's Nanterre. 
and Besiktas lost the playoffs matchup against mm-hmm. Bayreuk. So maybe maybe that's the school for them. Maybe that's something that they can use and say, okay, we messed it up last season. We'll be prepared for the three-point shooting and the Gabe Yorks of Nanterre, whoever they may, may be, Sanglens or Waters or Konates. I think we, it's also a good time to bring up the fact that one of our columnists uh, made a prediction about Nanterre. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I can't remember who it was predicted that Nante would not make the playoffs so maybe yeah, it, uh, was, <laughs> it was Igor of course it was but the first sentence of the whole column was like okay not the first sentence but one of the first sentences was that I suck at predictions that I keep predicting that Heidelberg <laughs> will win Croatian football championship hasn't happened in 13 years and that Porsche and Trailblazers will win the West and that hasn't happened like in a million years <laughs> so I'm so, not good at predictions but that's what makes them the fun read <laughs> people well, go I and say yeah, have... look at this asshole <laughs> what, what you have to do is predict Nante to, to to lose this one and they'll be uh they'll be thanking you yeah. for it then <laughs> yeah yeah for sure all right Nante fans get in touch with igor at igor Djokovic uh to help <laughs> help him uh pick you guys yeah you can you can, all, you can all message me to do not reply at basketballcl.com <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Another really exciting three versus two matchup. Uh, Bomberg, the three seed from Group C, going up against Banvit, the two seed from Group A. Uh, Deacon, this Banvit team looks a lot different than the one that we saw at the beginning of the season. And, and you know, some of the new additions helped them surge late. Bomberg, meanwhile, came in with a lot of expectations, didn't quite live up to them. How do you see this matchup? And and maybe what are some of the more uh, important individual matchups in this one? I think this is, again, one of the low-key, more interesting matchups in the in the tournament. You know, Bamberg, you, you would have said before the tournament started, Bamberg would be an, uh, an early season favorite. They've been through a bit of a roller coaster, but yet always been there or thereabouts and uh, picked up wins when they needed to. Um, the matchup that stands out for me straight away is Tyrese Rice and Ishmael Ulusoy. You know, Banvert, Banvert have also Mackenzie Moore that people that can really stop you, really can guards that can really guard. And um, and Tyrese Rice has been killing everybody really in fourth quarters. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how Banvert handle him. Yeah, Igor, looking at the other side of that, Gary Neal has been a big-time scorer for Banvit since he's come in. Jordan Morgan has, has been consistent all season long. Uh, how, how do you think Bamberg stand uh, in terms of slowing down this new-look Banvit team? Uh, I mean, this is this is probably... I think that we were um, amazingly lucky to have these two matching up because if the season lasted a bit longer, they would probably be challenging for the first places. Uh, both teams started playing way better when they made the coaching changes, uh, especially Bonvit. And Bamberg have lost that first game against Lietkabelis with the new coach, but then they went on to win five of the next six, so they too seem to have figured it out. But like, it's going to be a test for them defensively because, as Deacon said, like Banvit have a lot of individuals that can kill you and you cannot focus on just one. Like for the last five or six games, Jordan Morgan has been like a fourth weapon for Banvit. <laughs> they keep using one and the other and the Gary Neals and the Mackenzie Moores and right. whoever steps up. And then you have Jordan Morgan, who's a double-double machine and can do it all. He's like just the fourth option, basically. And so there's a lot of individual power 
with Banvit and with Bamberg is going to be they're going to need the help of their freak city and the the fans and that arena which is really specific and um, I think that Banwit will come prepared because <laughs> they play in similar kind of um, similar kind of conditions every single week so it's going to be a beautiful matchup it's going to be a couple of fun games and I really do not know who to give the advantage maybe Bamberg just on the on because they have Tyrese Rice who does his Damian Lillard's fourth quarter kind of thing and wins games. <laughs> that's it. Okay, that's that's enough trailblazers. Uh, sorry, what, what, go ahead. <laughs> I was. Uh, it was true. We need to we need to set a rule. I don't know how you weave the trailblazers into Palk Ike, but we need to set a rule before we get there. No trailblazers. But I was. I was gonna, the, the thing uh, I was, yeah, I know. I already know how to do it, but I'm not. I'm not gonna use the <laughs> Greek players who played for for portion trailblazers anyway. <laughs> Why am I not surprised that you have a plan to weave Portland Trailblazers into Pauk versus Ike? <laughs> yeah, I have said because I watch way too much Portland Trailblazers games. <laughs> I think the only thing I wanted to say about Bandit is that that road trip, if you're Bamberg, you have to get on a ferry, you have to fly, drive, get on a ferry, and then you arrive in Bandirma, and it's um, you know, it's a, it's it's a long way to go, and it's um. It's not an easy road journey to go, and Banvit play great, great defense at home. You know, they, Banvit have been top five defensive rating most of the season, even when they were losing. And um, at home, they're going to be a real, a real defensive force. And as Igor just said, they have scoring weapons all over the place. Uh, you know, Gary Neal, I think he may be injured right now, but if he's healthy again by then, he, he I th- was he the top scorer in ACB last year? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. So that's um that's not an easy guy to stop. Right. He's I, I, I think that's a great point. Um I think I'm I might actually be leaning toward Banvit in this one. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes. A lot can change over the course of the next few weeks. But I just don't think they're gonna be scared at all going into that Bomberg uh home arena. Like Gary Neal, this is a guy who has played in NBA finals games and has scored twenty points in NBA finals games with the San Antonio Spurs. And then, you know, like you mentioned, Deacon, uh a, a long trip to get to Bandirma and then a tough home environment uh, there backing Banvit. And Bomberg, I haven't really loved their body language, their chemistry, just kind of the general vibe of the team hasn't looked great at times. So I, I kind of worry how they would handle a tough playoff situation on the road. But having a guy like Tyrese Rice who can score basically whenever he wants certainly helps with that. Last game or last matchup, Pauk versus Ike, the Greek Derby. This is the one I, th- I think we were all hoping for some co- kind of Greek Derby when we realized that that was a possibility. Uh, Igor, I'll throw it to you first because this is the matchup that you really wanted. Uh, what jumps out to you about Pauk versus Ike? Yeah, this is like a huge rivalry in Greece. And um, basically it comes from football because uh, they are the top two football teams or soccer teams if we're using American English. Sorry, sorry guys. <laughs> but uh, Ike have been the champions uh, in the soccer league last season and Pauk are about to be the champions this season. And that gives kind of an, some extra sauce to it. And their their soccer games are super intense. Like over the last couple of seasons, I think it was two red cards per game. <laughs> A lot of penalties. So it will be fiery. And then when you switch the whole thing to basketball, 
Pauk are feeling better because they won six of the last seven games against Ike. So Ike have only a single win. They uh, and Ike got uh, tossed out of the cup this season by Pauk earlier. Uh, Pauk won by two. So there will be a lot of reasons for Pauk to feel good about themselves. And probably this is the best matchup that they wanted for their fans to finally come to the Thessaloniki Arena and fill it up and make it memorable like they did a couple of seasons ago when they played the Partizan in the black and white derby. So it's going to be fun, but I'm I'm kind of still leaning towards Ike making it despite the fact that like in season one, Besiktas were the top regular season team and they lost against their domestic rival uh, Karciaka in the playoffs. And then last season, you had Tenerife as a top right. regular season team and they lost to Murcia, again, a domestic rival. So it's always tough when you have two teams that know so much about each other. But I, I really, it's not about Park, but who can stop Jordan Theodore and Vince Hunter when they get clicking together? And like you have basically two MVPs uh, going together and probably challenging the title. Like they'll probably be there at the end. Yeah, Ike have been dominant this season, 12 and 2 record. Vince Hunter, I, th- I think, unquestionably has to be the MVP of the regular season. And they're still working in Jordan Theodore, as you mentioned. So, Deacon, I think, you know, that being said, plus Ike being the defending champions, uh, I, I think they have to come into this as the favorite. But looking at Pauk, uh, you know, is there anything from an advanced statistics standpoint uh, that, that makes you think that, you know, they have a good shot in this? Statistically, in almost any way you look at it, I come out as as massive favorites. Um, you know, Pauk struggle with with teams that smash the glass, and I can go on the glass. But it's Pauk, right? And this team is like is the the LeBron James of unpredictable. One week they they're amazing, and they go and uh, they beat Tenerife, and then you're not sure what you get the next week. And they also have um, uh, Chrissy Coppolis, who has been affectionately named the Scrabble King. <laughs> no, no, it's the human alphabet. Human alphabet, sorry, not King of Scrabble. Human alphabet, and and he can he can score against anybody, and he can he can take games away from you in a hurry. You just have to ask Tenerife about that. Um, and then you have our unofficial defensive player of the year and Howard Saint Roos matched up against him, so that's going to be a whole ton of fun to watch those two going at it. Um, but when you when you come down to the the fact of the matter is as Igor said, you have. A previous MVP um, and probably an incoming MVP on one team. Um, so there's a lot of talent there for Ike. If against any other team, Ike, you're saying a dead set favourites. Pauk is for them maybe the worst draw they could have got. Eagle at, the same, at the same time as being the best draw because it's a Greek derby and everybody's going to be super excited. But for that reason, as Igor said, it, it, it's it's harder to play someone that knows you that well. Yeah, that's interesting. Igor, do you agree with that, that this was kind of a worst-case scenario for Pauk? Or, or, sorry, for Ike? For Ike, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, like, I believe that Ike would have an easier task playing Prometheus, who are also their um, domestic rival. But with these two, it goes a little bit longer. It's a, it's a much more fierce rivalry, and... It's the worst draw for Ike and the best draw for the rest of us who will be standing on the outside and enjoying the atmospheres and the craziness of the Greek derby. 
Yeah, for uh, sure. That's that's going to be amazing. Uh, let's wrap this up here in a minute. Deacon, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Uh, uh, the other thing I'd say is, whatever we've said, expect none of it to be true by the time we get to the, <laughs> the first round of games finished. Uh, Igor, and any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm apologizing to all the teams that I've picked to make as true <laughs> because they're probably going to get knocked out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's on me. It's on me. Sorry, guys. All right. Again, that's at Igor Djurkovic if you want to direct your, your hate mail on Twitter. Uh, Deacon, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at DLS Coaching. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, go follow Igor and Deacon on Twitter if you don't already. Make sure you read everything that they write up on championsleague.basketball because it's all must-read stuff. Uh, thanks, guys, for doing this. This has been a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Dave and I will be joining you next week. Uh, even though there are no games happening for a few weeks, we'll still have a podcast out. We'll have some player interviews from these playoff teams and, and have some more analysis and get you guys ready for the playoffs, which start March Fifth. So for Igor Djurkovic, Deacon Lloyd-Smith, Dave Hine, thanks again to our guest Dominic Waters. My name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.